Got there it. it is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad it worked. Yeah, finally. All right. Well, welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Black in Montana. And today I am interviewing Jamal Anderson for my African American Studies course, Black from Africa to Hip Hop. So let's get started. How are you doing, Jamal? Doing all right. How are you? I'm well. Thanks. Um, first off, what is your immediate response when you hear the phrase, all lives matter? Um, frustration. Uh, a lot of things I don't want to say on your podcast, but, uh, <laughs> you know, anger. Um, I, yeah, I guess mostly frustration just because it's clear that all lives don't matter and they haven't for a long time. But it's, it's very naive just to assume that, you know, you can run with blue lives matter, all lives matter, just because, yeah, of course, all lives matter. Like, that's that's a proper response to just, you know, human decency. But, um, I mean, especially over the last two months, you, it's, it's clear that everyone has kind of seen and had enough of uh, what's been happening, really. Yeah, I think the Black Lives Matter has been so impactful because it allows people of color a platform to be heard. And then when we can kind of relate to people on a human level with empathy, then that's when other people start to realize that this is a problem that needs to change. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that it's it's tough for most people to swallow you know racism isn't easy to see it isn't easy to deal with you know it's not mm-hmm. it's not pleasant so it's you know i i get that it's you know when it's in your face when someone's you know yelling black lives matter a lot of people kind of want to shrink and feel i don't know that that I, I feel like that's where all lives matter started to come people felt threatened almost you know especially white people and that wasn't the intent it was to get attention on black lives it's just mm-hmm. exactly how you said it's to create a platform and to really distribute information um i mean i signed up a couple of years ago just for their newsletter just to get info on you know places of, around this country that i would not know about through other media outlets so it's just it, it's just yeah it's fascinating that people don't see the real reason why BLM was created. Mm -hmm. And that leads to my next question, which is, you know, geographically, Montana is not at the forefront of the Black Lives Matter movement, like in Ferguson or Minneapolis or LA. Um, We don't experience the mass calls to action or those riots. But do you think that our response or lack thereof is a reflection of the sentiment in Montana? And do you feel like you're being represented by Montanans in this fight? Yeah. I mean, um, no, it's really interesting because it's mostly, you know, young white people that have been really, really loud in this state and it's been very, you know, warming and nice to see, but it, it is, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a misrepresentation because it's mainly there's not a lot of people of color in this state 
and mostly people of color in this state are Native Americans. And Mm -hmm. so it's very, it it was always difficult to really have that conversation in this state personally with even just my friends that are white and the majority of my friends are white, but it's, yeah, I, I would say that when I went down to the protest, I was more of in awe and very proud to be technically a Montanan, even though I was born in Missouri. Like I, I really felt that this generation, this this I don't know response. I'm you know I'm 34 years old, and I I probably was the oldest person there, and that that was really weird <laughs> to mm-hmm. to experience, especially you know being probably one of five or six people of color there it, it was mm-hmm. uh yeah it was very interesting all right uh do you remember your first experience with racism i mean i don't see how you could not especially if you live in a place like montana and what was that like for you yeah i uh well, i'm trying to there's been and that's it's weird because race is, there's just different forms of it and there's just different different things people say um but i'd i'd say the first one that really stood out to me i never really um had to deal with it that much my mom who was white didn't really i mean she did a really good job of insulating me from everything but you know you can only do so much and i was just out with my friends and it was rodeo day basically in the town i grew up in um which is just a big festival and i mean it's just a a flood of people coming into town and just people walking by and this one dude just walked by and you know just casually just said i didn't i didn't know there was m words in montana Mm. and uh and it was just kind of and i think i was like i was about nine at the time and even my friends kind of were taken back by it we didn't really know what that meant I never really brought it up with my mom but that was kind of the first moment of kind of reflecting back on it like wow yeah that was probably it and then you know other small things um through just growing up in a rural small town I mean you know 3,000 people and being the only black student in the entire school until I was a senior um and uh yeah just different things I mean I never never really had too many run-ins with the cop there was one significant one that my mom actually ended up suing the city for um they did pull their guns on me and a white friend who were just kind of walking around and someone put an anonymous tip in and said we were dealing drugs and they, I don't know, our hands, our hands were yeah. in our pockets and they, yeah, but it was, it was racist, racist. Yeah, no, yeah. a hundred percent. And even, yeah, even my, my buddy at the time was just, he just couldn't believe it. I mean, we were both shaking and we were like 14 years old. So it was pretty, pretty, pretty shocking. Yeah. Well, that's, kind of leads to my next question um in my class i read a book called heavy an american memoir by uh, an author named keith layman 
Um, and his mom and grandma in his life, he grew up in Mississippi. They always told him not to stand out in public because he could easily become a target for the police and white racism, like you just explained. Um, and, you know, he was in the South where it's more prevalent. But here, growing up, did your mom and dad say or do anything that made you more aware of the stereotypes against black men? Oh, yeah. I mean, from an early, early, I mean, I, I can remember my brother telling me he's 11 years older than me. So he would just always he cut my hair. He I'd get all of his clothes and he'd always tell me, don't don't sag my pants. Don't, you know, he'd tell me not to wear hats, even though I love wearing hats. Um, but he, he's just try and be as presentable as you can in society. Mm-hmm. And we're both lighter skinned black men so we're we're i always kind of felt less threatening to white people in general um i don't know if that's just because of the shade of my skin but i always felt like i was more approachable than someone a little bit darker than me um and so i i mean my mom would always just (laughs) she yes she would she would get on us if we were wearing you know baggy clothes or and i and i was just trying to really not imitate anyone necessarily but kind of reflect what i wanted and what i saw um on tv or what i saw in you know magazines just people that looked like me and you know what i what i was into um and it was kind of tough to adapt that way but i i think it was kind of necessary for where i was growing up um it's just yeah like i said being more presentable and less threatening to people every everywhere and especially a town that has a police force like it does um it was it was yeah it was something we definitely focused on uh did your mom ever stress education because of the color of your skin she say, you know, you you have to be better because of this or anything like that inside of you. Did she try to instill that in you? Yeah. Yeah. I was I had a tough time with grades uh, in junior high, especially. And she used to kind of lay into me and just tell me that, you know, I'm not <laughs> I'm not going to get anywhere, especially as a black man, if I don't have an education, if I can't figure out some kind of trade if I can't do anything it's not really a lot of help out there for us and actually my older brother was I think the first to graduate in our family uh, from college Um, and so the two of us and then we've had you know cousins younger cousins and stuff after us now but um, yeah he was the first one to go and graduate and and then that I think it was important for him especially he actually helped me fill out my admissions to get into college and I you know didn't know what I was doing so it was it it was definitely stressed as far as trying to get a higher education and Mm -hmm. try and get at least out of the small town that I was in all right my last question is since I know you listen to hip-hop from work and things like that Is there a particular song that when you hear it, you feel a connection to aspects of your own life? And how do you relate to the song's material? Yeah, that's tough. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's 
so many artists and actually i was thinking about this there's probably more material i don't necessarily relate to and just listen Hmm. to to understand their aspects of life more than my own i I would say that uh, at an early age I, i was really digging tribe and uh uh like jurassic five um mm-hmm. mainly mainly jurassic five just because they spoke as more a universal um voice as far as um especially this song it was called freedom and the name says everything right there um but it's basically the the aspect of staying alive for as long as we can to get freedom because mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it, and that's, I mean, I find it hilarious. I was actually watching Dave Chappelle like yesterday, and that's like one one of the jokes he has is just like, man, just staying alive and like trying mm-hmm. to get to this point of where we're actually having these protests. Oh yeah, and having this voice and having to communicate because it wouldn't have happened, you know, ten years ago, twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, How that's worth celebrating. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd say most mostly Jurassic Five, Tripod Quest, um, any of those MCs, and that kind of lyricism that is uplifting and really promotes the idea of, I guess, self love and the idea <laughs> and the idea of expressing that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really it's really hard to get that platform to do that, and I felt like those those guys especially really pushed hard to bring it to the forefront for a lot of a lot of people, not just people of color. Because I have a ton of friends who listen to hip hop and would not know those things otherwise, you know. So it's just yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's great that hip hop can be used to send a message and educate people as well. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Jamal. I'm really happy we could do this um, on your only day off and social distance at the same time. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's That's great. Nice. This is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. I'm yeah, excited thank to you. listen to future recordings. Yeah. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye. See you.